Welcome to episode number 12 of the Beyond 24 Days podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some running tips with Ken, everyday tips that have helped us get through the last two years. We'll do Ken's pick and what's cooking with Brooke and much more. Welcome to the Beyond 24 Days podcast with your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Beyond 24 Days is focused on healthier living by promoting whole and natural foods while supporting your local, responsible producers. You can follow us on social media at Beyond 24 Days, where we share our food ideas and recipes. And now your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Welcome everybody and to all of our returning listeners as well as new listeners. Anything exciting that happened this week, Brooke, that you can think of? Well, I know you were pretty excited when you told me you were able to finally buy our domain name. Oh, yeah. Uh, So beyond24days.com is now ours. Someone else had purchased the domain name, and it was unavailable for the last two years that we've been doing this. And so I got an email notification sometime in the middle of last week that said the domain was available and that whoever had purchased it before didn't renew it. So... Uh, we jumped on the opportunity and bought it. So, yeah, if you go to beyond24days.com, that'll take you to our site, to our blog, and all of our links for social media and all that fun stuff. So it's a lot easier. It's a shorter website to give out to people versus our um, WordPress site that we used to use before. So, yeah, anything else? Well, I mean, aside from it's been a good week for exercise and running, mm-hmm. We've you've been diligent about getting your morning run in mm-hmm. and uh oh we had our very first pinewood derby experience this week oh yes for those in scouting uh our son had his pinewood derby this week and i guess they did pinewood derbies across the state of pennsylvania so that was a, a fun experience and also something that was entirely new to us There was a lot of races I didn't realize how serious the dads really got about this. Yeah, it's. I read an article. It wasn't so much about the boys. It was more or less the dads competing against each other. <laughs> but uh, we let our son design his own car. And um, even though he really didn't, we didn't really do that well, only because this was our first time doing it. So it was more of a learning experience than anything else. But we had fun, and that's what matters. Yeah. So we're going to jump right into it. And like I mentioned a little bit ago, Ken's been really diligent about getting up in the morning, even though it's cold and it's Yay. been disgusting around our area lately. <laughs> he still has the, you know, the get up and go in the morning, which is something I admire because I just don't want to get out of bed in the morning. So kudos to you, honey. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's get into it. You promised us some running tips. So here we go. <laughs> so first off, you'll have to forgive me. I... I don't know what happened. I guess all the bragging that we did the last couple podcasts about how we never get sick. Um, it finally hit us. The I don't know if it's just a, a cold virus going around, but whatever it is, it definitely hit our house, and I cannot breathe out of my nose. So. Actually, let's rephrase that. It hit the adults. Our yeah. children are not sick. It's just the two of us. Yeah, what gives? Usually they're the ones getting sick, and we're the ones that are kind of like, ha-ha, but nope, tables are turned. It's us this time. So even despite having a cold, I have been managing to get up and push myself to go and run. And a huge drive for that is, um, I think I may have mentioned it before, but I did sign up for a half marathon, a 15K, 
a 5k and there's another race in there i think in in between all that and these are all within like weeks of each other so time to get serious time to start training and and uh really focusing on uh the races ahead so um i am not really much of a morning person and it's funny saying that because my alarm is set for 4:45 every morning and it's one of those things that you just kind of have to learn to do. And it sounds awful, but um, once you make it a habit, it's, you know, my biological clock kind of wakes me up right around the time that my alarm goes off. It's just one of those things that you sort of train yourself. For me, running in the morning works best. Um, that's one of the biggest things. When you start to run, you, you kind of have to realize it. it's going to take up at least an hour of time. And so it's a bit of a time commitment. So when you start a running program, the first thing you want to do is find when you have enough time to dedicate to do it. And using the excuse of I don't have enough time just isn't good enough. So I think that's one thing that you hear a lot of. But um, for me, mornings are just the best time. It's, you know, when the rest of the world is still sleeping or still in bed, that's the perfect time to get up and and go and run. And it, it sort of helps set the the mood for my day. The takeaway from all that is just make running a habit, something that you want to do every day. So let's go into this segment by me starting by saying, I am not a runner. I've never been a runner. (laughs) I've hated running since high school when we were forced to do the 12-minute mile. So running is something that I begrudgingly do with Ken because I love him and I want to support him. And I know it's good for me, but I You know, I just can't get into it the same way he does. So I think we're going to do this segment by me doing like interview style. I'm going to ask him a few questions and get his responses. All right. This is new. (laughs) So you want to tell our our listeners what your most important tool is for running races or just running for fun? Uh, The most important thing, well, number one is to have a good pair of running shoes and to know your running style. And your foot. And your you, feet. You talk about your feet yeah. all the time. So my feet, I have a pretty high arch, so I use a very neutral running shoe. So that way I run um, evenly across my footprint. Some people run on the outsides of their feet. Some people run on the insides of your feet. So the best thing to do is to go to a running store or even, I don't know, they, they may have like kiosks at, it's Walmart, like a Dr. Scholl's or yeah. something, that's a little thing. You can go and see what your footprint looks like. And even if you look at your shoes, you can see how your shoes wear. So if the outsides of your shoes wear, maybe you run on the outsides of your feet like I do. So you don't, you need more of a neutral shoe, not something with a high arch. So anyway, that's something that you need, you would need to discuss with a, a shoe specialist. But definitely a good pair of running shoes is like the best thing. Number one. Number one? That's your number one. That's my number one. All right. So I often hear you talk about distance versus time. To me, I I hear the the go at a 5K, and I just kind of give it my all, and by the first mile and a half, I'm just done. <laughs> so explain to me your distance versus time. Well, well, when, whenever you do run it, it feels like the first mile feels like it takes forever. I think that's – I don't know if that's just me or if that's everybody, but – um, there's something called long, slow distance or LSD, which is focus on covering a longer distance than covering it in a shorter amount of time. 
You want to focus on racking up your mileage versus how fast you can do it. Um, and I, I'm not really sure if I'm explaining that right, but um, that's one of the things that if you're going to enter into a 5K or a 10K or whatever, you want to make sure that you build your mileage gradually. The worst thing you can do is sign up for a 5K and then think to yourself, well, I'm just going to go run five miles today in preparation for this. You want to build slowly. So focus on distance first. And after you establish, you know, oh, I can run five miles, then worry about how fast you're, you can do it. What's your favorite way to keep track of your progress? Do you do journaling or do you prefer your Garmin? Uh, well, I like to keep a digital record. So I, I do have a Garmin watch that I use for running, GPS-enabled watch. It also measures my heart rate. And you can get into different types of training. But that's um, I have my Garmin hooked up, my Garmin accounts hooked up with my Strava account. So digitally, all of my running is logged. And then also at work, I have a huge... I don't know what that day planner, huge calendar, one of those desktop calendars. I don't know. It's just, it's just a big calendar. But every day I, I run, I write uh, my mileage. And at the end of the week, I, I total it all up and write. So I do keep a, a paper log on my desk at work, but I go mostly by my Garmin and my Strava account. Hmm. And Strava is a free account. If you have a Fitbit or a Garmin or whatever sort of fitness tracker, you can link it to Strava and it will keep all that information for you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you did that at your desk. Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, I'll take a picture of that and show everybody. It's pretty neat looking. So do you have a pre-run race ritual that you do? I mean, I'm with you most of the times for races. You have done several by yourself, but I know we have some pretty intense breakfasts before yeah. some of our races. But I'm, like I said, I'm normally in bed in the morning when you yeah. get up to run. So in the mornings, just for my average daily run, I try to do about four to five miles um, during the week. And then on weekends, I try to step it up and do seven to eight miles. So typically before I run, uh, first thing I do in the morning is have uh, I drink a full bottle of water and then uh, there's not really a whole lot of, of prep. I usually try to go with, um, just because we use Avocare products, I use Spark. And that's about it. That's like my morning coffee. Um, there's also, I try not to do too much, basically. I just try to keep myself hydrated. And I want to see what I'm capable of without any sort of, I don't know, any sort of enhancers or anything like that. I know people swear by pre-workouts and all that stuff, but... I try to keep it very minimal just because, you know, I'm more interested in seeing what I'm capable of doing on my own. Well, and I think on a race day, too, I really don't see the need for a pre-workout or anything like that because I feel like you can get so pumped up by the energy around you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you get so caught up in, like, I'm going to pass that person. Yeah. I'm going to pass that person. Yeah. That I don't really think you need things like that yeah. when you do a race. Well, so on, on my daily runs, I don't really, I'd, like I said, usually just water. Um, pre-race, usually races aren't until 8 or 9 o'clock. So we'll get up really early and I'll have a full breakfast. And usually it's either a protein shake with banana, almonds, uh, PB2, flaxseed, you know, everything, or a staple of 
eggs and toast and all that wonderful stuff. I try not to do too much. I don't want to run on an empty stomach, but I definitely want to give myself some fuel. And for me, I guess the most, the, the best bang for your buck, the most amount of calories that's nutrient dense would be the, the protein shakes. Okay. So I just blindly went on to Amazon this year because needed some Christmas gift ideas. And I just started going to town buying all sorts of running accessories and supplies, which I know you were very appreciative of. Yes, very much. But I really didn't know what I was buying you. I just like, that's so good. That look good. <laughs> so what were some of your favorite gifts I got you for Christmas? Uh, one of the one of the things that I liked, um, well, you bought me a foam roller, which uh, for those of you that once you start racing after the race, it's important. Well, I think it's important. I have a, to take a foam roller and basically roll out your leg muscles. That helps break up lactic acid in your muscles and it prevents any sort of soreness. It's like getting a massage after you run. So that's one of the things that I definitely enjoy. One of the other things is when I run, especially when it's colder out, my hands go numb because of just how cold it is. And even though I, I swing my arms as much as I can, it's still my hands go so cold. So the gloves, running gloves were an awesome addition. Uh, nice socks. I, I enjoy nice socks. Oh, I got you those Kodiak socks this year. Yeah. They had like the most amazing lining in them. Yeah, those, are, those aren't really for running, but those were uh, more like wearing for under my work boots at work, keeping mm. my feet warm. Um, and... Oh, yeah. It it sounds silly, but I, I'm dead serious. People will talk about chafing all the time when you're running. And having clothes that are designed for running are super important. But even then, that won't prevent chafing. So one of the things was body glide. And I can't tell you, I, that stuff's amazing. I remember you pulled it out of your stocking and was kind of like, what is this? Because it comes in a, a stick. Of, it looks like deodorant. Yeah. and um, But honestly, that stuff is amazing. One of my biggest problems, because I swing my arms a lot, it helps. They're like rocket boosters when you swing your arms. But anyway, um, on my sides, if I'm not careful, I'll get chafing on my sides. So I'll use that on my sides. And also in between my legs, you know, sometimes I try not to run with my legs close together. But every so often it'll run, and especially when you're doing um, over five miles. That's usually when I notice a lot of chafing. So... That's when I'll use the, the body glide. And then another thing, um, I, I didn't get this for Christmas, but I bought these for you for Christmas, which was a pair of compression yes. running socks. Yes. And I already have a pair of compression sleeves. And those, I swear by those, after a race, and even you can wear them during a race too. The compression socks, which they were adorably pink, mm -hmm. um, I wore them on our New Year's Day race. Mm-hmm. And I often complain to you that one of the reasons I hate running is because I get a lot of pain in my shins, which right. I mean, you've explained to me as shin splints. Yep. Um, the socks minimalized the pain that I felt. I felt very light uh -huh. and it was just so easy to run. Like there, there was just no pain in my feet, no pain in my shins. It helps with circulation. That's what yeah. they do. So they're, they're super beneficial. I, I love them. And I have a pair of sleeves that I, I swear by. Yeah. So. so I guess we will end this part of the segment with a silly question. Okay. Since I've only done 5Ks with you, you've done 15Ks and half marathons. 
Do you ever have to pee <laughs> halfway through? Because I know that's usually one of the first things I do after a 5K is to yeah. the bathroom. Yeah, so bathroom breaks. Uh, if you're definitely, if you're going to load up on fluids before a race, it's always good, even if you don't feel like you have to, right before the race, make sure you go to the bathroom. And then uh, the half marathon that I ran in, uh, at the halfway point, when they had like a relay team, you could switch off. Um, but since I was running the whole thing, I didn't have anyone to switch off with. But I did notice that they had a long, uh, long line of porta johns, and I really had to pee really bad. So, in the middle of my half marathon, I I had to stop and and go to the bathroom. And I've heard some some pretty wicked horror stories about people. Uh, jumping off the trails to uh, relieve <laughs> themselves. So I was pretty glad that there was Porta Johns there. I wouldn't have known what to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's all the questions I have for you on that matter. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. No, I, thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. Well, um, yeah, I guess the only other tips that I have are just remember to make it a habit, slowly build your mileage, invest in a good pair of running shoes, if it's not nece- it's not a necessity, but if you would like to, I would definitely purchase a fitness tracker. I have a Garmin watch that I absolutely love, and that provides me with all of the metrics that I'm interested in: mileage, time, heart rate. You can get into heart rate training, which I'm not going to go into because <laughs> that's a whole topic itself. But um, there's a lot of things you can do. You don't have to go super expensive. You can keep it ver- fairly inexpensive. But um, running for me is just, it's something that, it's a very personal thing for me. I'm not super competitive. So when I do the races, it's more or less, I want to see what I'm capable of doing. Your own personal satisfaction. Right. And your personal records are that. They're yours. And that's something that nobody can take away from you. You know, if you have... I don't know if you have a, a, a boss or a job that you find super stressful or just even life in general. Running for me is is the perfect way for me to be able to deal with just about whatever. Um, it's, a, it's a really great release for a lot of for a lot of reasons. And one of the biggest things for me is that, you know, all of my personal goals, those are mine. No one can take them away from me. So it's awesome to see what I'm capable of doing. And it's awesome to to have these personal records that no one else can take away from me. So, yeah. Awesome. Running. It's wonderful. Thanks, Ken. Everybody should do it. (laughs) So on the last podcast, I know I blabbed on about how I was going to share everything about running and convert all of our listening audience to being runners. Um, But something more feasible, I know that you had a topic you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I wanted to share some of our tips and tricks, I guess we want to call it, uh, things that have kept us on track. Because when you are dieting, which is a word we don't like to use. Evil word, evil D word. Diet diet seems like such a hassle. When you use the word diet, it makes it sound like something negative. And it does sound kind of pompous to say it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, but really that's how you have to look at it. Well, because a diet's temporary is what they say, and a lifestyle is permanent. Right. So one of the hardest things for me personally, I know you didn't really have too much trouble with this, was water consumption. Oh, yeah. Um, you were never a big soda drinker to begin with. 
we but we did consume a lot of um, pre-bottled green tea. That was uh, one yeah. of the things we consumed a lot of before we decided to change our lifestyle. Good old Turkey Hill green tea. Yeah. <laughs> Still is okay every so often. So when we started the um, 24-day challenge, I remember asking my advisor, what can I do to get my water intake? Because I I am very guilty of not drinking as much water as I should. So we came up with some alternate uh, drinks for me besides just the water. Seltzer water has been a saving grace for me. You have to be a little bit careful because there are some seltzer companies that add sodium into their seltzer water. So always look for the little label that says sodium free. And even though it may not seem like mm -hmm. a big deal, if you consume a lot of seltzer water throughout the day, uh, that little bit of sodium does add up. So it's one of the things that you really do have to pay attention to. And I will start by saying I hated it. When I first started drinking it, I was not a fan of it. I'm like, I'm never going to get used to this. But it eventually grew on me. It's just something you have to you have to keep trying it and it eventually grows in you. And it comes in so many flavors. My personal favorite is orange cream. It just tastes like an orange cream sickle. That's my favorite. It comes in vanilla cream, wild berry, grapefruit, blueberry, watermelon, any flavor you could possibly think of. They probably have it in a seltzer bottle. So I love iced tea. So I went from drinking the pre-bottled green tea to brewing our own unsweetened tea. If you go to a restaurant and you just can't stand to order another water after you've already consumed almost a gallon a day, it's okay to order unsweetened tea. The biggest thing with the drinks too is when you go from super sugary drinks like sodas and pre-sweetened teas and then you make the jump to seltzer and unsweetened tea, just be prepared that it's not going to be as sweet as what you're used to drinking. I think that was probably one of the issues that we had initially was that we went from super sweet drinks to stuff that just didn't really have much of what we thought didn't have flavor. It was a complete shock to our system is basically what you yeah, mean. Yeah, but I mean, after a while, you get used to it. And I actually I actually like the taste of unsweetened tea without any sweetener in it at all. And actually, let me back up there. And I really want to stress the fact, seltzer water, not sparkling water you can go and you can get like an aspartame filled sparkling oh, yeah. fruit flavored water i'm talking about just carbonated water with natural right flavoring in it yeah always be sure to read the label and i guess the last water tip i can give is if you want to be trendy there are tons of ideas on pinterest for i guess I don't really know what to call it besides the fancy name they gave it on Pinterest, detox water. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure why it's a detox water. To me, it's just been like a... Oh, we're not cool, so we must have missed it. <laughs> it's just been like a, a pleasant you know, surprise to my mundane water consumption. But you know, where you fill the little mason jar full of water and then you put some strawberries and crushed oh, blueberries oh, oh. in it. And you, you essentially are just... You infuse it. You, yes, there we go. The, we infused our water with... Uh, real fruits. Real fruits. 
You can even add fresh herbs into that because I've done a cucumber and basil infused water before. Watermelon. Mm -hmm. It's just a, a it's just a healthier alternative to a fruit flavored uh, like sparkling beverage right. that you'd find. I think we did a long time ago. We did post something on Instagram where we had some infused lemons and lime. water. Yeah, like lemon and lime yep. and water. Yeah, that was pretty good. So those are my 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 tips and tricks if you're just trying to get past the water slump because that's honestly one of the number one things I hear from people. I just don't like drinking water, and I've yeah. been there. Yep. So I guess another thing that we hear so much is how have you given up dairy? <laughs> and mm. <laughs> I I have to be honest with you, cooking without dairy has been extremely easy. Yes, I love cheese. <laughs> I say that almost every podcast and I I I love cheese, but cooking without dairy has been extremely easy. So some of the ways that we have gotten along without eating cheese, milk, and even butter, like butter is something we very rarely eat. Milk substitutes, let's just start with that because that's an extremely easy one. Almond milk is probably the most popular uh, plant-based milk that's out there. Mm -hmm. But some other great alternatives, which we've, we've tried... Cashew milk, soy milk, and rice milk are all great alternatives, and they're becoming very popular. I'm seeing them more and more in just regular local grocery store chains. Yeah, it started off, I think, with soy being the most popular, and then our local chain carries mostly the almond milk brands. But like you said, I'm starting to see the other stuff too, especially the rice milk, which we have tried, and it actually wasn't, that wasn't that bad. I will share with you one milk that I have tried. I took one sip of it and <laughs> dumped it down the drain. It was the most horrible thing. Uh, one of my favorite nuts is pistachios. One of my favorite flavors of anything is pistachio. I just happened to find this random carton of pistachio milk. And I'm going to be honest with you, it was the worst thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Uh, I tried it with our daughter and I think we both had the same reaction to it <laughs> and it went right down the drain. Now we never that, spoke of it again. That explains that. So alternatives to cheese. Hmm. The first thing I discovered was we had a taco night. It was right when we, we decided we were going to start eating clean. And I thought to myself, how am I going to make tacos without cheese? I finally cubed up avocado and discovered that avocado will give you that creamy cheesy texture that you are tricking yourself into thinking that you need so avocado has been a staple in our house and we use it almost like a cheese substitute we'll put it on top of burgers Mm -hmm. to replace that slice of cheese that we were used to putting on there um, but I also use it as a substitute for mayonnaise. We've uh-huh. done tuna salads and chicken salads and even egg salads where we've smashed the avocado and used that as the mayonnaise base. We do use that in a lot of recipes. I love avocados. Mm-hmm. I just can't spell it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, we have mentioned several times before, but I'm going to throw it out there again. Nutritional yeast 
Oh, yeah. Is yep. also an amazing staple to keep in your house. Bragg's Nutritional Yeast is our favorite. Yep. We use it to make pizzas. Instead of sprinkling mozzarella cheese on top of the pizza, we'll just put um, the nutritional yeast flakes, which is actually a tip that we learned from Forks Over Knives. Oh, yeah. That's good. And I've also used nutritional yeast to make uh, cheese sauces. I made a macaroni and cheese with no oh, yeah, cheese, yep. mm-hmm. and nutritional yeast was one of the bases of the recipe. Especially if you blend up avocado and nutritional yeast, it's like a double double whammy. <laughs> and the last tip for a dairy product that we've recently discovered, so a great substitute for butter, and this is not a vegan substitute. It's more of a, a lactose issue if you are just trying to get rid of the lactose, the dairy in your diet. An amazing substitute for butter is ghee. Mm. Uh, I got this from our nutritional store. Wasn't really sure what it was before I bought it. I, I kept hearing about it. So I did a little research and found out that ghee is actual form of butter that is just, you know, boiled down, the lactose and casein are removed from the butter, and you're left with a product that looks like butter, smells like butter, but essentially all of the things we don't want in it are are taken out. What's that, like when you reduce something on the oven top? Pretty much. Reduced butter? It clarified butter oh, clarified is another butter. name for okay. ghee. Huh. Ghee is just um, it's used in a lot of Indian food, from what oh. I've read about it. Huh. Yeah, interesting. So uh, I actually used it to make one of our recipes in cooking with Brooke this week. So I'll talk about that a little later. Oh, cool. Another great staple that we keep in the house is coconut milk. Oh, I love coconut milk. Yeah, and the coconut milk that comes in a can, the Goya coconut milk, to me, it's a little bit different than the cartons of coconut milk that you can buy to use as like a cereal milk. Right. This oh. stuff actually has like the fat that you have to skim off the top. Mm. Uh, I use that as a replacement for coffee creamer. We don't drink coffee very much in the house uh, anymore, which is something I think we can get into completely in another right. show. But when we do have it, and I do indulge in it, uh, we always have a can of coconut milk in the cupboard, and that's what I use. It's rich, it's creamy, and it does the job just as good as a half and half or a sugar laden coffee creamer. So I only have two more really quick that I want to talk about, and then I know you have one that you've discovered that you would like to mention. Mm. So Mrs. Dash has become a great staple in our house. It's a great alternative to use when something calls for a heavily salted prepackaged spice mix. Don't, don't, just don't. You can either make your own or use Mrs. Dash because Mrs. Dash comes in, I don't even, like, five or six different flavors just in the shaker bottles. And I did see that Mrs. Dash actually has packets of taco mixes with Uh, no sodium in them. Yeah, there's. we did a blog post about making up your own spices to help reduce the amount of sodium that you intake. 
And the very last one that I want to talk about is a replacement for soy sauce. We make a lot of Asian-inspired meals, so a lot of our recipes call for soy sauce. We either try and use a low-sodium soy sauce because it actually is a different variety of soy sauce. I was not aware of this. I just thought, okay, they just don't put as much salt in it. Low-sodium soy sauce is actually made a completely different way than a regular soy sauce. But if you are... You know, looking for a specific dietary uh, replacement, if you do the whole gluten-free thing, the the best substitute you can find out there is coconut aminos because there's no chemical process for like just like the uh, amino. Oh, the liquid aminos. The li- liquid right. aminos. They call it the the chemical amino, or they the call it the chemical so- soy sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so coconut aminos is made from the sap, raw sap of coconut trees. Coconut sap to make soy sauce. That's interesting. Yeah. What will they think of next? <laughs> so you had one last thing I know you had discussed about sharing with everybody. And it was something that you had seen in an article, a running article. Oh, oh, oh. it was a um, a runner's podcast that I listened to. They... We're talking about different tips for mealtime. And one of the biggest things is after mealtime, sometimes you're often tempted to go for dessert. And one of the things that we found that helps sort of curb that is dark chocolate. And we get the super dark or special it's dark. It's like ultra dark. Yeah, it's like 86 to 87% dark chocolate. And it's pretty bitter, but I have found that just having a little bit of that after dinner helps prevent like any sort of sweet tooth that I have. And in fact, I've noticed, I've now associated that sort of bitter taste after dinner that if we do have like a regular dessert, it's too sweet. Mm -hmm. So I actually prefer the bitter dark chocolate. And that's one of the things you can do as well to help with a sweet tooth. Good old dark chocolate. Yum. It's always been my favorite. I've never been a fan of milk chocolate, so yeah, was that really wasn't fun. a change for me. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good time for a break. When we come back, we'll do Ken's pick with yours truly. And then what's cooking with Brooke? Welcome back, everybody. Let's just jump into our next segment, Ken's pick. What's your pick this week, Ken? Well, I know that I've been bombarding everybody with a barrage of books every week. So to give yourself a break, if you're looking to watch something rather than read, I highly recommend Food, Inc. It's something that I rewatched this past week. And all the books, all the authors that we have talked about, a lot of them are in Food, Inc., And they go through, they cover everything, everything that you're curious about today's food industry and the changes that are taking place that the consumers need to be more aware of. So that's all I have to say. It's short, short little review, but Food Inc., I highly recommend it. There's authors in there featured, Eric Slosher from um, Fast Food Nation, Michael Pullen, one of my favorite authors. 
and then a slew of others that I'm going to forget to even mention and upset a bunch of people. But <laughs> so anyway, Food Inc., I highly recommend it. With that being said, Brooke, what's cooking in the kitchen? Well, I know I say this every week, but we had some really good dinners. Of course. This well, past week. Come on now. <laughs> so we're going to start with our Meatless Monday meal that was on the blog. And I did a lentil pot pie. The base of this, ca- it was almost like a casserole. I'm not even going to give it pot pie. I'm just giving you the the name for the link you'll be following on yes. our blog. But it, it was more of a casserole. It had a, a red lentil base that was mixed with tomatoes. And that gets all baked on the stove first. It gets put into a casserole dish. And then my favorite part of this meal was the biscuits that went on top. So I can't, we can't say that it was a vegan meal because technically it wasn't. I'm going to go ahead and say it was a vegetarian meal because I used the ghee instead of the vegan butter that the recipe called for. I opted to use ghee because I honestly wasn't aware what vegan butter it you know was, and I, I didn't know where to purchase it. So in my research to find out what this was is how I found ghee. Ah. Yes. Um, I honestly think that it made the biscuits a little bit more... Life, lifelike. <laughs> lifelike, Real, uh, biscuity tasting. It was like a buttery biscuit almost. It was really good. But they were a, a biscuit that was filled with fresh thyme. Mm. So those got baked. You put the biscuit dough right on top of the lentil mixture. It went in the oven for about a half hour, came out. The, the biscuit sort of made a crust on top of the lentils. And that was that. I actually, not that I found it a little tasteless, but it needed a little bit more flavor to me. So I put a few dashes of hot sauce on top of mine. Mm. And I thought it was just the perfect meal. It was very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very warming and very... uh, Like comfort food. Comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Hey, speaking of hot sauce, I will have to share, we found, or I found, a new hot sauce that was introduced to me by a coworker that it's all plant-based. It's made from carrots and habaneros, and it's called Yellow Bird, and mm-hmm. it is, it's really good. It's super delicious. It has the same sort of bite that sriracha has, but it's not like overpowering or something that completely destroys your mouth. So I'll share that with everybody on the blog. Yeah, cool. So moving on to next... The next meal, our Soup Tuesday meal. I I quite enjoyed this soup. It was an Italian turkey burger soup. It was just kind of like your typical soup base, carrots, onions, celery, ground turkey. But there was so many Italian spices in this. It was just swimming in oregano, rosemary, uh, thyme, basil. It was delicious. But to me, the best part of this soup was the broth. It had a really thick, rich, hearty tomato broth, and there was chunks of tomato in the soup as well. We love tomatoes, as you can tell. (laughs) Next meal on the blog was by far my favorite meal of the entire week, and it was one of those meals that's a little out there. It may be off-putting to some people, but I am all for eating wild game. If you are going to be on a clean diet, there is no cleaner meat for you to eat than any form of wild game. Mm -hmm. 
So I made a mini apple venison meatloaf cup. I paired that with some blue mashed potatoes. And since we've been eating clean, I've been making any sort of mashed potato that I make with olive oil and almond milk. I decided to use my almond milk and throw in some ghee. And it brought a little bit of life back to our mashed potatoes. It gave them those buttery mashed potato taste that we've been missing. There's that ghee making its rounds. <laughs> uh, and I paired that with one of my favorite vegetables, uh, okra. Okra, some shredded purple cabbage, and corn. And I roasted that with Mrs. Dash on top of it. That was my favorite meal this week. Okra, well, for me, okra is one of those vegetables that you kind of have to, it's got to grow on you because it's got a weird, I'm a texture person. And for me, it's like, it throws me off. The seeds. It's like a mini squash almost. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, sorry. I had to throw my two cents about okra. I know Brooke loves (laughs) okra. I'm giving you a death stare right now. Yeah, I know you love it, but it's, it's got, I don't know. It's like a weird texture thing. If you've never cooked with okra before... And you want to experiment with it, by all means, do it because it tastes delicious. But be warned because if you've ever watched an episode of Andrew Zimmern, uh, Bizarre Food, Okra has been on his show as a bizarre food. It emits slime. Yeah. It emits this slime. If you like boil it, <sighs> it can be quite disgusting. But if you, uh, roast it i've never had an issue while roasting okra before <laughs> like i said it's something that's just it's got to grow on you moving on i am happy to say that i finally got my bloody mary chili made and it was a welcome change to the chili in our house hey it was like a sweet it's like a sweetness. A I don't sweet know, it was really heat. Good. It was like a sweet heat. It was so good. I found my Bloody Mary mix with no high fructose corn syrup in it. Yay. It was loaded with celery because you can't have a Bloody Mary without celery. That's right. And the recipe wasn't beany enough for me. I did add an extra can of beans to the recipe that will be on the blog. Ah. Um, we do love our beans. We do. I, I just can't. I'm not a yeah, like all meat chili type of person. Yeah, Mine has to have a lot of beans in yeah, it. Yeah, it's got to be hearty. But it was just, I just don't know what else to say about it. It, it was, was good. just delicious. It was good. And I'm glad that I finally got to make it. Trust us. It was good. And the last meal that we have made that's on the Instagram account, tonight for dinner, we had a sweet and spicy tilapia. I paired that with almond green beans and just a simple baked sweet potato. The tilapia just had a a really sweet marinade that you baked the fish in. Mm -hmm. It was just fresh orange juice, fresh lime juice, some honey, um, and cumin, pepper flakes, and black pepper, and a little bit of olive oil. And that was what the marinade was. It was simple, it was clean, and it was delicious. I'm not a huge fan of fish, so you will not see way too many fish recipes in our blog, but this was actually pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. In fact, I'm looking forward to leftovers. Brooke and I packed up the leftovers and looked at each other because there was only enough for one person. 
And, and you broke, trump me. Yeah. How? You, oh, oh, because yeah. you just do. You trump me. You always get the you always get the leftover because I have food that is accessible to me at That's work. Right. So you know, and then that prevents you from going out for Indian food if oh. I send the leftovers. Well, what's to wrong you? with that? <laughs> no. Well, well, well. What's going on? What do we have in store for next week? So coming up this week on the blog, you will see, and I'm so excited for this meal. I'm not sure why. I'm just like salivating at the thought of our meatless Monday meal, we are going to have an oven roasted buffalo cauliflower sandwich. It's cauliflower steaks uh, marinated in a buffalo sauce. That just sounds so good. I know. Soup Tuesday is going to be a spicy lentil and spinach soup. Ooh. We're going to have this meal that I found on Another blog is called Broken Pasta and Sausage. So I'm going to use an Italian turkey sausage and take it out of its casing because it has to be crumbled up. Okay. And I have whole grain lasagna noodles. That's what it is. It's just uh, like an almost like a deconstructed lasagna. Oh, okay. Cool. Sans cheese. Of course. Yeah. I'm excited. I know our daughter is going to be excited. She loves any sort of like... um, Hispanic food. So Ooh. I'm going to do black bean and corn enchiladas. Ooh. And I, it's my first time I'm going to attempt to make my own enchilada sauce. Huh. That so I'm hoping good. that works out pretty well. We're going to end our week. We have a short week because we are traveling this upcoming weekend. Again. Grant's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Grant. <laughs> she won't hear this. But we're going to end our week with a um, slow cooker meal. We're going to do a sweet potato beef stew. Ooh, that sounds really good. I know. I well, like sweet potatoes. I always say this. I hate to rush the week, but when we have meals like this planned out, I just can't wait. Also, another thing, too, one thing that I highly recommend everybody do is plan out your meals ahead of time because it prevents you from straying off the path of eating healthy we have our meals planned until... It sounds so crazy. I have our meals planned out until August 27th. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that life is going to happen. I know that some days I'm going to be miserable and I'm just going to say we're eating tuna wraps for dinner or we're going to Taj Mahal for dinner. But I will recalculate that meal that we missed that day will be moved somewhere else uh-huh. and life will go on. But it has been a blessing to be able to sit down with this meal planner and plan these meals out, not only for my sanity for doing this podcast, but also for my grocery shopping sanity. Yes. It helps prevent just any sort of, you know, whoopses or, you know, stuff that you're not planning on doing. And the meal planning book to me is like your Garmin. You need to get Ooh. so many steps a day. And to me, I feel like this keeps me accountable for the podcast and what I'm telling people. And it keeps me accountable for just making these meals. Well, awesome. Well, hopefully, we'll look at that. We have enough episodes now to go all the way up until August. So, thank you. I hope you like listening about our food. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I guess that's a good place for us to end the podcast. So we want to welcome you guys. Check out our website, beyond24days.com. And also you can find Beyond 24 Days on Instagram, Facebook, and most of social media. Our YouTube channel uh, needs to be updated. I will just say that. 
But anyway, we look forward to you guys joining us next week where we thought it would be fun to get the perspective of a kid's view of clean eating. Our daughter has been very interested in our podcast and she would love an opportunity to share her thoughts on clean eating. So we look forward for all of you guys joining us next week. So we will see you all then. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.